Hi there, I'm Gerard Maria, and you are listening to the Optimi Podcast, a place to discuss CSR, corporate goodness, and all things social purpose. In the past year, social inclusion has become a buzzword, but what really is social inclusion, and what are the mechanisms we can use to achieve it? To answer all these questions and many more, we talk to some experts from the CSR world. You will hear from Thomas Serkovic and from Chris Jarvis. Thomas Serkovic is a professional who has been for 18 years advising companies on corporate responsibility and sustainability. Um, when companies volunteer skills, so uh, IT knowledge and legal knowledge and marketing experience, leadership, strategy, all those amazing skills, it has five times more impact than if a company was to contribute cash. Chris Jarvis is a co-founder and chief strategy officer of Realized Worth, a global agency focused on the design and implementation of employee-led volunteering and giving programs. His work with Fortune 500 companies around the world is helping to mobilize hundreds of thousands of employees to make meaningful contributions to the communities where they live and work. Yeah, so it can speak to more inclusivity if you're willing to do the hard work of providing experiences. Otherwise, employee volunteering is a nice day out of the office. There's nothing wrong with that either, but it's you're never going to get to diversity inclusion with a transactional approach. Their experience can help us answer some key questions, such as what is social inclusion? Here are some thoughts from Thomas. I think we always have to be very uh, careful in how we use labels in everything in life. And, um, and I think social inclusion for me, it's very much about looking at uh, the problem uh, kind of from a, from a distance in, 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 and, and taking a space and to look at what, what is uh, stopping uh, countries from developing. And if you look at the sustainable development goals, they very clearly show you that there are areas where uh, we, um, even in the most developed nations, there are, there are challenges of social inclusion. So for me, social inclusion is to look at the, at the areas or, or the dimensions where, where society is not delivering for everybody. The sustainable development goals Tomas refers to are a collection of 17 interlinked goals designed by the United Nations that should be a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. But before rushing to create a corporate social inclusion program, there are some things you need to consider first. Here is what Thomas Serkovic suggests. I would say there's a first step, which is uh, from inside the company out. And the inside out is, first of all, you need to understand what is it that you can contribute. Uh, but even before that, you need to understand why. What is the objective? And, and uh, we work with companies and we sit down with companies and they say, we want to support, let's say, educational attainment because it's important for our society. Yes, but what business objective does this serve? And the business objective could be very much about employee morale, employee engagement, uh, asserting the brand, making people more resilient in difficult times like this of uh, endless disruption. So first understand what objective this serves, because otherwise it's something that is floating. It's the right thing to do. But then uh, when, when times of crisis come, you have to stop it because it's not, it's not cr business critical, right? So it has to be business critical as much as anything else that business do. So that's the, the first point. The second point, understand what is it that you can contribute? Is it money? 
Is it time? Is it volunteering? Is it resources? Is it books or whiteboards for the school uh, and laptops? Or is it the, the, the knowledge and the skills of your people? And there's studies made that say that um, when companies volunteer skills, so uh, IT knowledge and legal knowledge and marketing experience, leadership, strategy, all those amazing skills, it has five times more impact than if a company was to contribute cash. And I know it's the first thing that we think intuitively is like, of course, this association, this charity, this cause needs cash or money or, or financial support. So think widely what you can, can contribute. Think what would, would it drive and, and then uh, reach out to the community. And that reach out is the part that then it's the outside in, which I would say, understand what are the social issues that are most pressing. A company might say, well, we want to do something specific about, I don't know, the enjoyment of sport, but maybe that's not a, a critical issue in your local community. Uh, and this is very much about do research as much as it is to talk to the local community. And, and there are companies, for instance, that organize uh, local community panels to try and understand what the needs are. Um, and sometimes what you realize is that those dialogues can be super enriching in terms of the topics and the issues that, that, that can be supported. So that's, 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 that, I would say, is the starting point, to understand what the needs are once you know what you're, what you're willing to contribute and that you have a sense that this is for the long term or, or for a, a minimum term of, of, of time of, of a few years. That is not something you do today, but maybe next month you don't because it doesn't suit. When it comes to the most common mistakes corporations make when creating social inclusion programs, Thomas reaffirms that not listening to the needs of the local communities is a big issue. Yeah, so mistakes, I would say, um, probably taking the this whole process of dialogue for granted. Um, and sometimes I talk to companies and they say, well, our, our, our employees want to do something about X topic. And here in Ireland, uh, most of the times when you ask a staff to 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 choose or to or, or 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 to contribute to that, they would say children, and they would say sickness, you know, cancer, etc. Um, and 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 I think the mistake is not having a, a a broad view of what all the issues are, and 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 sometimes recognizing that some causes are very visible, very high profile, and others are very very low profile, but they have a lot of need. So trying to be, um, you know, it's important to engage your employees and make them feel excited about this, of course, um, but it has to be influenced with 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 uh, objective information. Uh, that so so that would be would, would be one mistake. The second mistake would be to to commit uh, and say, of course, we're going to uh, offer all these hours of volunteering, etc. But then not really knowing if they're capable of delivering on that commitment. And that can be can be a mistake. In, in equal ways, sometimes the communities uh, would say, of course, we're willing to welcome all those volunteers and help with the children in hospital, and then they can't. So, you know, uh, having realistic expectations is the point. I, I, I was trying to say that's a, that, that, that is something companies need to avoid because it is a common mistake. Uh, and then my third point would be being short uh, minded and short short term minded in terms of thinking okay this is a this is a, an initiative that we do now because today we're feeling 
very strong about it or because we are sensitized because we hear about Black Lives Matter in the United States or we think we have to do something about minorities in our country, in our community. But then six months later, we change our mind and we think it should be about education. And six months later, we think it should be about homelessness. So, so having a strategy, having a long-term vision and, 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 and understanding the needs of your community would be my key, my key suggestions. A document from the UN points out that volunteerism, when well facilitated, can be a powerful mechanism for promoting social inclusion throughout the world. With the support of research-based evidence, it demonstrates how the values inherent in volunteerism open up diverse pathways for marginalized groups to overcome social exclusion while enabling them to become drivers of development action. So we asked Thomas if he believes that volunteering projects can indeed promote social inclusion. Yeah, of course it can, and it does. And I think it's when it's well managed and structured, it can. But let me let me elaborate. I think that, uh, as I was saying earlier, when 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 people contribute mainly through their skills, and we have seen a lot of this uh, happening. So um, I can give you the example of a of a retailer here in Ireland that has for many many years been. Uh, providing a program which is based on work experience for people that have been marginalized. In most cases, people would have faced uh, homelessness, um, substance abuse, alcohol, drug abuse, mental health backgrounds. So people that are very at the margins of our society and our, 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 our uh, uh, work market uh, and our workforce. Um, Obviously, what's transformational is that the company is offering the work placements. But what's even more interesting is that around each person doing this uh, work placement, there's a group of volunteers within the company that are coaching, are minding, are supporting. There's some sort of body uh, who are guiding. And, 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 and that, is, that, that, that is where you can see the transformational impact of the volunteering. But then I have seen very, very impactful when, for instance, a business leader can sit down with the leadership of a charity and help them uh, develop a strategic plan or a marketing plan. And I know that sounds very non-glamorous <laughs> or, or something that's not very tangible, but that can be very transformational as well. So, so a senior business person uh, teaching somebody about negotiation and resilience and, um, and skills allocation, uh, conflict management, all of those skills are fundamental. And, uh, and they're going to be very, very valuable. So that also contributes to social inclusion. I think it's important to have the two levels of how, how volunteering makes, makes an impact, but it's, it's, it's endless. Chris Jarvis, another CSR specialist with many years of experience under the belt, agrees that volunteering can be more impactful than most expect. I think, well, I think many companies are think, rightly thinking about certain outcomes and benefits for the company as a result of an employee volunteering program as it relates to how they appear to the public, either shareholders or stakeholders. Um, this is one of many things they're doing to demonstrate that they are a good citizen, a corporate citizen, and that they care about communities, right? So, that's important for the employees who live in those communities, but it's also important for other companies that operate in those communities, if it's a B2B or if it's a B2C, obviously your customers in that community. Um, 
And the appearance of doing something typically is as far as they think, right? So from a company perspective, they may say, well, we don't want to do something wrong and we want to make, we want to have a good story to tell. So they tend to identify projects or investments that are unique, uh, interesting, uh, newsworthy, in line with their key competencies, and are of importance to both their employees and to the customers, whether it's other companies or or people in a community. And that's all that's all great, but that tends to get translated into how many hours, how many dollars, how many people, how many places, how many walls did we paint, because it's hard with that objective to do something interesting that other people will find interesting it's hard with that objective to really set some goals that are meaningful beyond just output metrics how many hours how many people how many plays how many dollars so those are just outputs they don't actually speak to the value of it um and so that creates a problem for the company because they can achieve that objective, but the res but the results are minimal, right? There's only there's no real cultural change that comes from doing more or less volunteering. There's no real just just by matter of hours or giving away money. Um, you're not going to solve homelessness in a city like Baltimore by making a donation. You, it's just never going to happen. So the best that they can hope for is we look like we're doing something. And that's it. So a lot of the true value for what employees could hope to see better, uh, better, more inclusive teams, um, a more equitable workplace, a more inclusive mindset, um, open to asking new questions and learning new things, open to learning about the social environmental issues that may not directly affect me, but definitely affect my community. I'm not homeless living under a street, but that is a big issue here in Baltimore. Does my volunteering result in me being more aware of it and me being more aware of it? Does that result in me taking more ownership of the uh, of the option? That's the part that companies don't think through because they don't understand. By and large, many people don't understand how to get that value, even if they're presented with it. So we can talk about Employee volunteering will uh, result in your teams being share more knowledge, um, uh, support each other, and an increase, and we talked about this last time, an increase in discretionary effort. So the more I do things with other people that I think are meaningful, and the more we share values and sort of a shared identity as people who are good, pro-social people, more likely I am to follow through on that initial identity with things that affirm that that's who I am, right? So if you get into um, cycling, you buy a bike, odds are that I can convince you to buy, you know, biking gloves and a pump and a whole bunch of other things because you made the initial decision to buy a bike and now you're a cyclist. So you're going to follow through on that if I keep nudging you, right? And that's why when I go out and I do something good in the community and we we do it together, we did this together, we built a house together, I'm more likely to see myself as a pro-social person who helps other people. And so when I come back to the workplace, if I'm given the opportunity to help my team, I'm going to do that 
because I need to prove to myself and everybody around me that I am who I feel like I am after doing that good thing. And that's the real value of employee volunteering, not as an end unto itself, like how many hours, how many places, how many people. That's just the doorway to the real value. That's that's nothing more than a threshold to go through. The real value comes after that when we start talking about being more inclusive, being more equitable, being a better team. And companies don't really understand that. They don't understand why that is connected to volunteering. Lenny Chan is a professional that has experienced firsthand how corporate volunteering can be a great mechanism to bond with peers and help local communities. I remember this one instance where we went to a um, shelter. Some of us helped out in the kitchen to prepare for the meal. Um, the other group went to their storage locker and it was a complete mess. I mean, they get a lot of different donations and they almost just stuff it in there. So what the team did was they took everything out and then they categorized everything by date, by due date, by category. And at the end, it was like an Amazon warehouse. It was so organized. And yeah, I mean, that was something that's like an accomplishment. It genuinely was a positive change for um, the shelter that we volunteered at. And no one told us to categorize it by date, by category. Um, it was just like, oh, tidy it up a little bit. But um, that, that's the kind of like team building that um, you can't get just hanging out in a social environment. So I definitely think that that helps the team bond in doing something good and feeling that sense of accomplishing something positive. So if there are so many benefits to corporate volunteering and social inclusion programs, how come many corporations haven't seen those results yet? So companies are a lot like people in, in the aggregate. They act like a big company will act like a person in some ways. We will want to do something good. We want to be we want to achieve things, we want to sell things, we want to make a profit, obviously all that. That's kind of Maslow's lower level of needs, right? Safety, place to eat, or food to eat, place to shelter, that kind of thing. And then once they get past that, they, they really do want to sort of craft their own identity. And here's what I, and you can see other organizations say Unilever getting praise and you can think, I want to be more like that. But like a person, we want to do it in the easiest way possible. So I'll look online and I'll see models or actors and I'll think, I want to be attractive. I know that I need to go to a gym and eat differently. That is a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And I don't really want to do that work. I want the result, but I don't want to do the work. What is the shortest way possible to not have to do as much work and still get that? The quickest, easiest way is to bring somebody in to talk about it. Everybody write a test and then I check it off. But that's a bit like reading a brochure about a gym and health, take a test, check it off and never going. You need people to have experiences, to challenge the beliefs, to revisit it, to make sense of it and do it again and again and again. There is zero difference between changing the physiology of our brain and the physiology of our biceps. We need continual experiences to change the shape of both of those things. And until our brain changes its neural net 
we cannot think differently. We are locked into thinking what our brain allows us to think. That's, that is it. So if you want to think differently, you need to have different experiences to change the physiology of your brain. If you want to look differently and lift more weight, you need to change the physiology of your body. The same exact thing. But that's too much for me. <laughs> I haven't been to the gym forever. I did a few push-ups and then I gave it up. And it's just hard. And I think companies know that they could do more, but it costs a lot, takes too much time. Honestly, none of us have the background or training in that. That's Nobody with an MBA has to take psychology. I mean, it's it's an additional piece, but it's, you have to take accounting. You know what I mean? So, so they really don't do the work because they're looking for a shorter way to get there. They want the result, but they want to, they, they, they're not going to explore things they don't understand. And that's not bad. That is, I want to be clear in whatever I get quoted in, that is not wrong. That's just normal. It's normal for me. It's normal for them. Um, so, yeah, so it can speak to more inclusivity if you're willing to do the hard work of providing experiences. Otherwise, employee volunteering is a nice day out of the office. There's nothing wrong with that either, but it's you're never going to get to diversity inclusion with a transactional approach. And if you are wondering if your corporate volunteering programs are indeed transformational and not only transactional, here are some things to pay attention to according to Chris Jarvis. Um, how do you know whether it's transformative or transactional? Two parts to this question. First part is, did you set it up? How did you design it? To be transformative, and there's lots of stuff on our site that can help you with this, you have to have a brief at the beginning because you need to create proximity with the people, the community, the issue that you're addressing. So the brief is just a 15 minute, here's what we're doing, here's how we're gonna do it, and here's why it matters. The why it matters is where we invite people to imagine what it would be like to be the person who's struggling with mental illness and doesn't have a safe place to live. And you frame it up that way and people take the first step to say, what would it be like to be in that situation? Because I know my partner over here, or, or, or the employee over here, their friend died, so what? What would that be like? So you begin to put yourself in the situation. That's the brief. The end, you have the debrief, which is what did you experience? Was it what you expected? You have to have critical reflection. If there's no critical reflection or chance for rational discourse, like back and forth, what did we experience? Well, how does it make sense? It's just transactional. We just do it and forget it. And in the middle, you have check-ins where the person running the event checks in with everybody. How are you doing? Do you have any experience with this? Blah, blah, blah. So that you can, you can, design a transformative space, but that doesn't guarantee anybody's gonna have a transformation. It just means the space is right. So that's the first step. And your question was, how do you know it's happening? So you know it's happening if you design the space where it can happen. So that's step number one. Step number two is then um, putting some indicators in place where you can see if any change is happening. And there's three changes that happen based on a transformative approach. One is a psychological change, how I perceive myself. If I'm perceiving myself as more pro-social, as more inclusive, as somebody uh, who understands and cares about issues that I may not have before, that's progress. Uh, a convictional change, what I believe to be true. If we can get employees to challenge their own beliefs, homeless people are homeless because they're lazy. That's where I started. After a year of going to a soup kitchen, 
homeless people are homeless because they don't get a chance to get better medicine, get an education, or deal with their addiction. So I'm not only informed about issues, but I believe differently that shows progress. And then finally, behavior. So a psychological change, a convictional change, and a behavioral change. Do I volunteer more? Am I open to learning more? Do I ask more questions? Um, am I reading different news sources? Uh, any You could tag any kind of behavior, but I always suggest pick three behaviors that line up with what you want to achieve that could show that you're achieving it. And we follow those psychological, convictional, and behavioral changes, and we test for that. So design the space where it can happen, and then design the metrics to show you if it is happening. So what we can learn from Thomas Serkovic and Chris Jarvis is that we can speak about social inclusion and volunteering projects if we're willing to do the hard work of providing meaningful volunteering experiences. To do so, you need to detach yourself from preconceived ideas of what local communities need. Instead, you should start dialogues with those in need to better understand their issues and challenges. Once that communication is established, you will be able to provide corporate volunteering experiences that are transactional and transformative to both employees and society. If you would like to connect with Tomas, here is where you can find him. I have a very difficult to pronounce and spell name. So uh, what I would suggest is to have a look at Business in the Community Ireland, which is bitc.ie. And then just to, to search me on, on, on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, of course. And I would love to, yeah, to connect with more people and understand more about how this global movement for social inclusion is, is, is evolving. And thanks for the opportunity. And if you want to know more about Chris Jarvis' work. So, yeah, the website, realizework.com, um, the institute, rw.impact. Um, yeah, those would be the those would be the best way to find me, make a connection. Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Happy to interact with anybody. Oh, and the other thing is we have conversations that touch on stuff like this the second Wednesday of every month. It's called the Listen Up Show. Um, I think if you just Google the Listen Up Show and Chris Jarvis, it should come up. Um, but yeah. We will be back next month to continue this conversation on how purpose-driven organizations can take the lead and create a bigger positive impact in the world. Until then, take care of yourselves. This podcast is produced by Optimai. This episode was produced by Cecilia Koshikini and edited by Santiago Otalara. If you like this podcast, you can also join the Optimai community at optimai.com.